When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, welcome to the Talk Republic podcast. The following episode is an audio recording from a live broadcast we did on our Facebook page. During the chat, you will hear questions from the audience and even shout outs we give to the people that attended. If you want to be a part of the live broadcast, please make sure you follow us on Facebook so you don't miss a thing. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Tug Republic podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. Katie, welcome to the Talk Republic. We're super excited to have you here today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you today and to chat with your great audience. I am excited to have you. We have a couple people live. Some people are joining from New York. They say that we sound good and that we look good. So let's start <laughs> with this. So Katie, uh, for the people that don't know you, people that are listening to this podcast for the first time or watching this video, introduce yourself. Who are you and what kind of photography do you do? Absolutely. I am a photographer. I have been in the industry now for nearly 20 years, which makes me sound really old. Um, but I actually started out in fashion photography um, right out of photo school back when I was about 19 and worked in that industry for about five years before diving into weddings about 13 years ago. Uh, today, I work together with my husband, Chad, who's my business partner and shoots with me as well. And we specialize in photographing destination, luxury destination weddings around the world, as well as wedding editorials for brands and designers. I was looking at your website yesterday and I was looking at that wedding in the Maldives. I'm like, mm. what, what a place. That is I lovely. Know. That's always going to be one of my favorites. It was nearly five years ago now, but it's truly just one of those that gets better and better. Um, it's always a favorite. It was gorgeous. And I would not had known that it was five years ago it looks really <laughs> like like it looks like it just happened a couple of months ago well Beautiful. that's always our goal right is that timeless where you can't put a time stamp on it and we're lucky as well to work with clients who have that kind of style and grace with the design and the fashion that they choose to oh what a great point right there Awesome. So let's jump right into this. Uh, we're going to talk today about, you know, the difference between mainstream and luxury and how to transition that. So let's start really, really basic. What is considered mainstream photography and what's considered considered luxury photography? Yeah. And I think that's such an interesting question. It's a little bit like asking what's the difference between my Ford Focus and my Rolls Royce. And <laughs> obviously, you, you know, you part those two next to each other and a lot and you're like, well, duh. Um, but yet they both are cars. They both have steering wheels. All of them have tires, um, you know, AC and windows that go up and down are pretty standard these days. So 
I think it, it really comes down to that sense of, of value and, you know, that perceived luxury. Um, and I say perceived because that's different for everybody. So for somebody who has never had a car before or anything like that, Ford Focus might be the most luxurious thing that they've ever stepped foot in. And they might think this is fantastic where for someone else, it really is going to take that, that Rolls Royce and Bentley. And so I think it's, you know, luxury and that value is definitely a bit in the eyes of the beholder. Um, and we kind of have a societal standard of what that is. But I think it's really um, kind of taking that value even further and, and also stepping out of what we would call average. Um, you know, mass is the same thing as average, that there's obviously a, a greater amount of people that are kind of in that mass average point. So when you see things like these, you know, really high-end companies, they're going to be less of those. It's going to feel more uncommon, a bit more unique. Awesome. So pretty much we can say, I mean, again, as you said, this is perceived value, but we can talk about that luxury is really the experience and how the client feels when mm -hmm. interacting with you. Yep. And, and it's really different for everyone. Um, some people need, you know, nine-foot-tall center pieces, and some people want the most intimate environment um, or location that they can find for 12 of their friends, but really a decadent meal. And so I don't think that there's, um, you know, a right answer as to like, oh, it has to be dripping in diamonds or anything like that. It, it can be really effortless too and still be very luxurious. Do you think that when people think of luxury, do we have, I don't know, this preconception that it is obviously a high ticket price? I think that's a common association. I mean, I think to do more luxurious things, often the costs do increase just the same way when you decide that you want your clothes handmade by someone that's going to that's gonna simply cost more than say going down to Zara and getting something that's been mass produced and there's a million other pieces like it. So I think that kind of having that unique experience time is something that kind of goes up at exponentially with that. And so, so do the costs. Awesome. So many great points here. Uh, a lot of photographers, you know, when we start, obviously we want to get those like high weddings because we think that it's going to be more money, that it's going to be amazing, that it's going to be fantastic. For some people, the transition, it's, you know, quite fast. For some others, it's really long. Other people don't really care about getting into that market. But, you know, kind of like to chat about transitions. If there is a photographer out there that they want to break into the luxury market, what are some of the things that they can do? Well, I think first and foremost, the one that always gets me is to really sit and think about where you're headed and why. Um, I think that especially I know for me when I was starting out, it was just a matter of like getting there. I just need to really put my head down and work hard and just get to that next point. But I really didn't know what was going to happen beyond that or why that next point was so important. So I think first really looking at your plan, you know, where you want to be in one year, where you want to be in five years, what that long-term vision is for 10 years. And then if being in the luxury market is part of that, great. That's step number one. But some people might look at it and go, wow, I just, I really love watching, you know, so-and-so when they're in this country and that country and that wedding looks beautiful. But at the same time, I hate flying on airplanes and I really want to be home to watch all my kids' soccer games. And, you know, that just doesn't really fit into my lifestyle. And so having that realization can be good, too. Um, and obviously, just because you're doing luxury doesn't have to mean destination. So so number one, really making sure having that like crystal clear vision of what it is you want. Do you want luxury destination weddings on an island? Do you want luxury destination weddings at the best venue in your backyard? Um, and then I think once you have that, you can start breaking that down into, okay, well, it makes it a little bit 
more clear and less overwhelming to then figure out, well, who do I need to connect with? What do I need to show in my portfolio? You know, who do I need to kind of be reaching out to? What does that ideal client look like? Because they're vastly different. Mm, Awesome. So pretty much it comes down to intention. What's Mm -hmm. your goal at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. And I think we like to kind of throw out these, you know, big kind of wide nets that go like, oh, I want to go from mainstream to luxury. And that can be everything under the sun. I mean, you look at a Grace Ormond wedding magazine, and then you look at uh, Martha Stewart, now not necessarily in print as much, but um, and some of those weddings could both be luxury weddings, and they are night and day. One girl's got a 25-foot-long train, and one girl's you know in front of a, a ranch or something like that. And so I think we need to narrow down that focus a little bit, and that really can help us to get where we want to go, and also not to do all this hard work and then wake up one day and go like, where the hell am I and why am I here? <laughs> True. That's so good. Uh, I like. I, I always like to look at other brands, things that are mm-hmm. not related to photography, to get inspiration. And of course, there is a difference when you walk, as you said, into a Zara than when you walk mm-hmm. into like a Prada store. Mm-hmm. They welcome you with champagne. They're like, "What do you want?" Like it's it feels <laughs> it feels feels like absolutely different. Absolutely. So, what about you? Tell us a little bit what your kind of like a steps are when you are dealing with a new client. How do you treat them? How do you approach them? A lot of people think that being just a luxury photographer on top of like having like a bigger price is also like showering your clients with gifts. Like there is so many misconceptions about this. So mm. I would love for you to like walk us a little bit through your process. Yeah. And this is something that's continuing to evolve for me, I think as it should for every photographer. But I think always even each client we're we're looking at that how do we do things differently and it depends you know whether first off if you're even having a relationship with that client because a lot of the times um more and more we we deal exclusively with the planner that they're really taking the weight of that communication off their clients so often really getting that face time with our clients becomes a challenge um at points like this and then i think things that you know i had this epiphany we were this was a few years ago now but i was in the process of designing one of these you know totally custom gift box type things that are really quite popular and got about halfway through the process and just was like, what am I doing? Um, our clients really, we've gotten to know them all so well. And for the most part, they, they're, they're not, you know, consumers, but they have what they need, um, that they, for the most part, they need something, they have it. Um, they don't really need more stuff or, you know, more, um, I don't even know if you can say this on here, but more crap for, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, so I just was like, you know, no. And, and I'm really a minimalist at heart and really into sustainability and all this. So the idea of just, you know, giving stuff that could just end up in, you know, a goodwill pile, it really just didn't set well with me in terms of my values. So we went kind of back to the drawing board. And I know that um, company we were work, working with wasn't Uh, happy with us at the time. But we really kind of went back and just looked at everything again and kind of got away from these um, kind of built in steps and rather looking at each client as unique. And I think that's one of the benefits of kind of getting to a certain point where you can kind of look at each client and what they uniquely need versus having a one size fits all for all of your clients. Oh, that's so good. And as you say, this is really, truly what it comes down to luxury is like a unique experience for each client, mm-hmm. not one size fits all. Uh, when I first came up, like find out about you, I was really mesmerized by your pictures. They're really gorgeous. But what I was really, really excited and inspired by was your work in Africa with animals, mm-hmm. like the pictures that you have done. And I don't remember exactly, please, if I'm mistaken, let me know. But I think somewhere I read that you gift 
your clients kind of like you sponsor an animal like a wild animal and I is that correct am I do I have the right information okay good (laughs) and I was like I was like oh my god that is so cute that you are taking as you said you're a minimalistic you are using your core values into your brand and you are like I'm gonna help you know what I can and also I'm gonna kind of like have my clients involved in this you know kind of like charity work uh, how how has that been perceived by your clients? I'm sure that's, I mean, I would love to have like to help a giraffe. I don't know, like that would yeah. make me happy. Yeah, absolutely. And so for, for those of your listeners that don't know, we have a passion project called Render Loyalty and we're on Instagram and everything too, but we partnered up with currently, we have three partners in Africa, um, two conservancies and one that's an elephant orphanage in Kenya. And we went there and self-funded trips to go and photograph the wild animals that they protect and to create series of work that then we sell as fine art prints for your home that donate back to those conservancies. So um, one of the things, one of our partners, the Elephant Orphanage, which is the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, they offer elephant adoption, which it's obviously virtual, um, but you are supporting the really important work that they do. So every year, um, come holiday time, all of those that this year's clients, they get uh, adoption of an elephant as well. And and I think once again, it's, it's a, more of a gesture and kind of involving them into that side of their work, not a hundred percent of them are really excited about it, but some of them certainly are. And I think that it's, it's important to us. And it's also something that gives back that can't end up in a waste bin. So we always are really excited about that. I love this. And I love again, how you go back to like intention, your core values. Cause I think that's really, really important, you know, to have our brand to like really, really incorporate our core values. And you said, I don't want just to give stuff just for the sake of giving stuff. I want to give something that is thoughtful and that at the end of the day is helping the planet, humanity. I mean, which is, which mm-hmm. I think it's part of like a great asset when you have either disposable income or, you know, you can do well with the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that certainly there's, there's a lot of things that we try to go above and beyond and little surprises, but usually it's, it's more of an enhancement in terms of something that they already have. Maybe they won't expect something to be monogrammed with their name or to have an extra layer of customization. So we try to always just provide more value in every step and just a little bit more high end. So I think that all these brands, uh, even Apple's a great uh, example of that. You know, you never know what it's going to look like in the package when you buy it at the store, but when it shows up and it's got all these thoughtful little things that things slide out of and go into it's just one more layer of that experience awesome it's like that little wow factor like mm-hmm. oh, i wasn't expecting this and now i'm exactly. excited exactly that's, that's awesome so talking about luxury weddings and again it seems like people want to do this they're like yeah it's gonna be amazing you know 20k wedding sounds fantastic but i have to be honest and ask there must be some like cons that are not like so fantastic when you are getting into that market what are some of those things that are not as fun or as glamorous as people think yeah I think well first off traveling as you know it can come with its own own bear of details and things I'm very lucky that I get to travel with my husband Chad who shoots with me and is my business partner and so that really eases he eases a lot of the the pressure of traveling with heavy gear and going into different countries with it and navigating all that. Um, There's certainly, I think the one thing most people don't really consider is that as 
as you increase the level of wedding that you photograph, you absolutely have a increased stress and level of expectations um, that those are twofold. And so I think just as if you were to buy the most expensive meal versus going to a mainstream meal, you know, if anything is out of line or not up to par, you're absolutely going to voice that concern because you've really, you know, you've saved up to have that really important meal. It's very important to you. So you have very high expectations and a perceived way that that's going to go. And so I think that that's something that you just have to be ready for and have the bandwidth to deal with. So that's why we really take a limited number of clients per year. We really try to anticipate those needs as much as possible. And then I think just having the people skills, there's a lot of different personalities, a lot of dynamics, and, and they just kind of exponentially go up. So on the wedding day, you know, so much of it is just being that calming force, that that reassurance, the do whatever it all, whatever it takes mindset, um, always kind of having that can-do attitude is really important for everyone on our team. I love that you mentioned people's skills because, yes, you can deliver beautiful photos, mm -hmm. but I think that people, especially when you are paying a lot of money, as you said, people probably will forget, you know, what you said, but know how you make them feel. Absolutely. And especially when you have, like, huge amounts of, like, you know, money or whatever involved, like, the expectations are sort of, like, really, really high, and you talk about people's skills, anticipating needs. Those things are, like, super crucial, I would think. Absolutely, and I think we try as much as possible. We're lucky to work with a lot of other really talented team members. So planners, florists, stylists, those types of things. And I think it's always, once again, looking at it from that team perspective. And I think while it might be easier when you're perhaps climbing the ladder to kind of be in it for yourself and focused on the pictures, um, I think more and more we find that we really are collaborating a lot more. We're really trying to anticipate the needs of what the planner might need, how we can make their job easier, uh, how we can get an extra photo for the florist, how anything that we can do uh, to just be nice and helpful. I think at the end of the day, you can be ridiculously talented, but if you're difficult to work with and you're not nice to be around, then that's always going to kind of catch up to you in the end. Oh, definitely. Such good points here. And guys, if you're watching us live and you have any questions, I know there's a little bit of a delay. Just put them on the comments and then we'll try to get to them as we go. Um, again, you have, hold on a second. I'm trying to get back here. Uh, <laughs> you've been here for, as you said, photographing for a long time. I'm sure you have seen plenty of things within the industry. Uh, and you have, you also coach privately, right? Some photographers. So what have been some of the major mistakes that for you are kind of like, oh, this is, this is really like, shouldn't be a mistake, but I see people doing this often mm. when trying to transition. Yeah. I think some of them are, are a lot of the things that we know, but we often maybe aren't putting into practice. Um, and for example, right now I'm guilty of one of them that I'm about to mention because we're in the process of redoing our current site. So whenever I get into that process, my updating comes to like a screeching halt. But, you know, showing things that you don't want to shoot is probably one of the first one. And we've all heard it before. But yet when I go through and review sites with people and their portfolios, it's one of the things that I just kind of show and go, do you want to do 10 more of these? And they'll go, no. And like, well, it, got it has to get off. Um, and I think less is more so much of the time we're going, Oh, but I need to show that I've done a lot. I don't think people need that. Um, I think that really showing the best, 
we've got such limited time with people's minds right now and attention spans that we really need to show them where to go, show them what we want them to see and do it quickly. Um, so less is more, you know, not having 80 pictures, having 20, that type of thing. And I think that's one of the first mistakes is just showing things that you don't want to shoot because that's really your attractor. And, and that comes down to Instagram, of course, too, because that's where people more often than not are kind of interacting with us first. Awesome. That's such a great tip. And it's always like I always tell people uh, when, you know, when I'm guiding them or something, I'm like, oh, where did I go? My mind. Where did I'm sorry. <laughs> I always tell them like, yeah, just showcase what you really, you know, what you really want to attract. And you don't need to put a hundred images in your portfolio. Like that's right. overwhelming the viewer. Like just choose your favorite 20 and choose what you think it's going to sell, not what you know, what is your favorite. Sometimes we attach to images that we love them, but they are not really the best sellers. And yeah, we have to, to that, let go of those. To that point, I think that's where some fresh eyes on your work can be really helpful. Uh, there's a lot of people that help photographers with editing, um, having a coach to kind of give a second set of eyes, or even just asking a colleague in the industry, you know, I'll look at your photos, you look at mine, and we give each other feedback. And, and obviously, you need to, at the end of the day, decide what's best and what you really feel in your heart of hearts is the direction you want your business to go. But we are often just way too close to our own work to be objective about it. True. You have a fantastic download that I'm going to be adding to the comments at the end of this chat. And if you're listening to the podcast, it's going to be added to the notes of the podcast. So make sure that everybody goes and download this because it is a really, really good information there. Thank we you. have a couple of questions in here. Let's pop this. Let's see if I can pop this up. What's happening with this platform today? <laughs> Oh, technology. Okay, here. So Jared, he says, hi, Katie. Thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom with us. How do you handle the end of the wedding? What do you say to the couple? How do you exit? It's oh, a great I question. I didn't think about this. <laughs> yeah, and it's so important because I think for me, first off, is when we start shooting to when we are officially done with our coverage, we are working. Um, we always rotate if, if someone's going to get a vendor meal and take a break. There's always somebody present in that room shooting. So if the client looks up and because they want to get a picture with their friend, they will always see one of us. So I think, first off, really being committed through the end. I know that sometimes when it hits like that 11 and you've been shooting for 12 hours and you've got another hour to go to midnight, it's easy to like stand in the corner and have a sip of soda or look at your phone and, and really kind of continue that level of commitment all the way to the end. And then when it's time to go, what we do is we kind of get to the point. I always give them kind of a last call, mm -hmm. you know, not that I'm always in bars, but, um, you know, really <laughs> giving people that notice of, listen, we're about to pack it up. And I just wanted to check in with you. Are there any photos that you wanted to get before we start to pack it up? So I always do that first. And usually more often than not, they will be like, oh, yes, I need to go get Uncle Harry. And I've got yeah. a run here. And they kind of run around and sometimes that, you know, so give yourself enough notice if you know you have that type of client that then that doesn't push you over for 30 more minutes. I have had that happen, but we really don't want them leaving going, gosh, I really wish I would have gotten a shot with so-and-so. So I think, you know, it's our due, due diligence to make sure that we do that. So that's number one. And then after we've done that, I'll go over and, and check in. And as chat will start to pack up, you know, we'll go ahead and do that. And when we're ready to go, we'll go back over and we'll both together 
give them a hug and congratulate them and and then say, you know, we'll be in touch and and sign off that way. Like have a fantastic honeymoon. Like it was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So we always say goodbye to the client and give them a hug, even if, you know, if it's a really quick like half hug while they're boogieing on the dance floor. We don't want to take them away from what they're doing, um, but always that. That's good. I always do that. And in addition to that, when I get home, because I have crazy type A personality. So when I'm downloading the photos, I know it's taking me an extra hour to sit in front of the computer. I type an email. Thank you. Your wedding was fantastic. Thank you for having me. And I have it scheduled to be sent early in the morning. Very nice. So that's an extra thing that I do. Love it. Katerina has a question here. Let's see. She says, Lobster Talks, Katie, how do you approach the legalities of shooting in a different country? Oh, that's a loaded question, but a good one. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I was just talking with someone on Instagram the other day about this and because um, we just came from Mexico on Monday. And it's really, once again, there's no one size fits all. If you're working with a planner, I would absolutely consult with them. But each country is different. So then it's really great to to not only ask peers that have just been to that country, because everything is different from whether you're going to China, which we just did this year, which had, you know, you have to have a visa, you have to have this and that. Um, to Mexico where maybe you need to be concerned about their two camera rule or things like that. So I think once again, do your research, have it all in front of you. I think it's easy to kind of maybe get a little intimidated by the process. Um, more often than not, if you are prepared, you know the rules, um, you can make that decision as to whether or not you want a visa. And I think also talking to your clients about it. I know that sometimes when we've been to Hong Kong, our, our clients were super worried about it. So then they would prefer that we get a visa or things like that. So um, I think talking to the planner and the client, if, if they're feeling nervous about anything like that, then make sure to go through all the steps. And, and they're often then very willing to cover those costs. Whereas a lot of the times we will just um, be traveling. And like I said, we're a husband and wife team. So it's a little bit easier for us. But we, we like to also... Um, travel pretty low key and, and not carrying a ton of bags just for also safety reasons that like scream, hello, we're carrying camera gear. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's, it's a little bit tricky each time. The bottom line is do your research. Love it. Question that just popped into my head. Uh, when you travel for fun with your husband, you go to like a beautiful location. Do you, are you always thinking like, mm, this is like a really great place for an editorial. Should I just like put this together? Or you're just like, no, I'm relaxing. I'm not going to do this. Well, I, I laugh because you say traveling for fun. Um, we actually, <laughs> um, like, what's that? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, like we will do go visit family and things like that, but we, really don't travel to places, say a destination outside mm -hmm. of the work that we do. So um, I, I think I've always got that hat on. I'm always looking and always shooting. Um, but yeah, we, we, our work schedule keeps us traveling enough that usually when we get some downside, we're ready to um, downtime, we're ready to cook at home and uh, mellow out for a little bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, that sounds good. I asked just because I've been like, I, tra I travel a lot for fun. And I have never, like, I don't ever bring my camera. And this year I'm like, oh my God, I have missed out so many great locations for yeah. photos. I only have like selfies. <laughs> so, so maybe funny. something to consider. We got <laughs> one more question here from Katrina. She says, uh, what is your post what's your post process like? Specifically, what is your turnaround time for gallery delivery? 
Yeah, so I am a hybrid shooter. I shoot film and digital. So when I come back, we have everything downloaded in terms of digital and our film, of course, goes off to the lab. And I kind of don't touch it until then unless there's something special like we need to do sneak peeks or something like that. Um, when it comes back, I first do my film. So I call my film and that kind of leads the edit. And then what I do is edit my digital, which will then be layered into the film. I have someone that helps me with my digital edits and then they're all mixed together into a cohesive final set. Uh, overall, the whole process takes me about eight weeks for delivery. Awesome. Do you do albums also or that's We do, that yeah. So most of our clients will opt for an album in their package. I would say uh, majority, but not always. But anytime that they do, we deliver the album at the same time. I use smart albums for album design. So it's Love really, it. yeah, it's really easy. So I deliver that at the same time. So it's everything is on kind of moved to their desk, if you will. I have them on my podcast one. So if you guys are listening to this, go check that episode because it is really good. It's a product that I love and endorse because mm -hmm. it makes my life so much easier. So shout out to them. Yes, um, absolutely. And Joey asks here, how many weddings a year do you take? Yeah, so we're, um, we really try to limit it to 15 each year. Sure. With all that traveling, I'm sure that's plenty. And we do a lot of pre-wedding, editorial, and things like that. So it's but in general weddings. Most of ours are multi-day, um, so it's usually around 15. Awesome. What's, uh, what's one piece of advice that you could give to photographers that are listening to this podcast? Just in general? In general, just go wild here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one of the things is, is kind of not ignoring or even worse, not knowing your point of differentiation or where you really, what value you bring to the table. I think that everybody, the, the level of work that we're seeing in our industry has gotten so high uh, that everyone's gotten the message that you need a branded website and thank you to all the templates like Tonic and all those that have made it easier for everyone. But, you know, 10 years ago, and I've, I think I've heard you talk about this as well, that was that was a point of differentiation, that you had this beautiful work and that made you stand out. Now, more and more, we're seeing that higher. So I think you have to kind of go back to, well, what is it that only I uniquely can do or the perspective I can bring? Or maybe it's the experience that I'm just really bubbly and full of energy or, you know, whatever that is, and really making sure that you're letting that shine. Um, I think too often, especially when starting out, it's easier for people to just try to kind of follow in others' footsteps or kind of conform to a more easygoing thing that everyone will like and won't, you know, turn away anyone. And more and more, I think we really want to try to repel people and attract people. So just kind of really knowing what's right and what's wrong for you. I love when I get a client on the phone and um, we just go, I just kind of go, this is I am not for you, um, but I know somebody that is. And and absolutely, I would love to give you their information. So I think as you kind of go through that process, you'll see those red flags pop up quicker and you can very easily go, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just, we're just not a good fit compatibility wise. And so the more you can kind of know what you're, where you're headed, what that ideal wedding is, who it is you really want to shoot for, it'll make it more clear for you as you go along. Awesome. Now that you mentioned getting on the phone with a client and we have a similar question here, when somebody inquires with you, what's kind of like the process? Do you send them 
all the information, which I don't think so because it's very detailed, or you just like get them, get them on the phone first and find out exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, how we do it is we give them a starting range of where we start at because that's certainly not for everyone. And mm-hmm. then we work to get them on the phone. So if they are okay with that starting point, then we'll say it's really time to get on a phone. 90, well, not, probably not 90, probably like 70% of the time now we're dealing with planners. So it's a bit of a different workflow than say, if you're only dealing with your clients directly. Awesome. I know you guys, we have a lot of questions and I'm trying to be respectful of Katie uh, time. So we're just going to like address a couple of them here uh, that I think that are good for everybody. How mm-hmm. do you recommend to promote? Oh, hold on a second. Uh, thanks for this live stream. My wife and me are trying at the moment to have more destination weddings. How do you recommend to promote this? Do you mainly go to request through, through planners? I think the plan, the planners are a great avenue, but I think once again, if you're say trying to shoot in Italy and you've never shot in Italy, then that can be tricky. So I think one way or another, you've got to get yourself into that locale that you want to shoot. And maybe that's by recommending that planner to one of your clients or have doing a collaboration of some sort or recommending one of your clients do an engagement session there, um, something to just show work from that area. Or to your point, if you're doing a personal trip, making sure you're taking tons of pictures along the way that then you can dribble into your Instagram feed and things like that to show that you've been to that place and that you can shoot there. So I think once again, showing what you want to attract is, is super important and and relationships are invaluable. I mean, good old fashioned networking and, and kind of finding people that are trying to do the same thing that you are. So there's, we'll just keep rolling with the Italy example. There's tons of planners in Italy that are looking to get more on the American radar, um, but they have all the local know-how. So, you know, connecting with those people that maybe are at the same place that you are that are looking to get to that next level and you guys can do it together. You've got the, got the talent and you're both interested and ready to do it. Then you can work together to kind of get that ideal client. I think that the internet is a fantastic place, but it also has made us be like less, actually like outgoing per se. So I think that as you said, like get on the phone, call somebody, invite them for coffee. Don't say that you want to pick their brain, you know, <laughs> that, like change that. Like you look for things that you can give to them. Like how could you help them? And then, you know, Absolutely. build that relationship. And, and one little side note on that, because I had this conversation with someone else recently was when you do get that introduction or you do get that email make sure you follow through with it. So, so often we'll make an introduction or someone will reach out and then you'll respond and then it's crickets. So, um, you know, make sure that you have the commitment to make the most of that opportunity. Awesome. Sounds good. What are you loving right now? Doesn't have to be photography related. Yeah, well, um, I think really I'm in a big season of learning right now. So we, I have always been into learning and, and growing as a business person. But over the last few years, I've been really focused on growing my business knowledge, kind of filling those gaps that art school never gave me. And so I am just a book fiend. I'm always on podcasts, but I kind of, I'm like in a phase of going through like three books a week. And that's been really a fun season for me. Oh, three books a week. That's a lot. I'm impressed. Well, I spend a lot of time on airplanes, so it's a little easier for me. <laughs> awesome. Where could people find you? Absolutely. So you can find me at, at KT Mary, K-T-M-E-R-Y. And same thing across from Facebook to Instagram like that. Um, I know that you said you're going to link to that little freebie yes. that we have. 
kind of seven tips that are really directly related to this topic that I put together with Carrie Goldberg of Harper's Bazaar. So I think there's lots of good tidbits in there and takeaways that will kind of take everyone one step further. I will make sure to, again, put that in the comments of this chat. And if you're listening to the podcast, it will be on the notes of the episode. Awesome. Awesome. Katie, thank you. And I keep saying like really fast, Katie, <laughs> thank you so much. You are a delight. Thank you so much for sharing all the information with all of us, for everybody that show up live to this event. Thank you so much for being here. You guys are amazing. And I can't wait, you know, to see more of your work because it's really beautiful and inspiring. And for all of you that are, this is the first time, you know, that you are on a Talk Republic episode. We do this weekly, always having amazing, you know, people come and talk to us. So Keep watching uh, and I'll see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes, please visit thetogrepublic.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Want even more? Join our marketing community group. Just search for the Tog Republic group on Facebook. Until next week.